0: About to win so big.
1: Tell me, hydraulic money
0: it yeah. money. Money coming in. Tell me, what's the program? 25, baby, okay? yeah, get with the program. So they yeah. want their way, get the program. So they want yeah. their way, what's the program?
1: Ladies and gentlemen, if we active tonight, baby, we back, we recording. I'm in the booth. It's your boy, Dan, but Joe's not here. Unfortunately, he has something come up, but I am not by any means dolo. Hokey nation stand up. I got wide receiver one in the building. Number 80 in your hearts. Number. I'm sorry, number one in your hearts, number 80 on the field. Caleb Smith, what's good, dog.
0: What's up, Hokie Nation? Your boy Caleb Smith checking in here, you know. Most hated, most loved. You know, I'm I'm excited to do this. Man, tell these people where you from, man. Man, I'm from Bumpus, Virginia. I'm not sure if people got good enough service down in Bumpus, Virginia to tune in. But if you're tuning in, you know, shout out Bumpus. But yeah, man, it's just... Little town right outside Charlottesville, outside of Richmond, you know. Not, not very much to it. Just know that, you know, they produce some dogs on the field.
1: Man, that's what we like to hear. That's what we like to hear. So what high school did you go to, man? So, yeah, I played my ball uh,
0: at Patrick County High School in Ashland. My mom was a teacher there. But, you know, I ended up transferring out of there for my senior year. To go to Louisa County to graduate early and then, you know,
1: enroll at Tech in January. Who was, uh, who was your recruiter at Virginia Tech when you – like who, who made you – who sold you on the dream? So, yeah, back then uh, it was my man Galen
0: Scott. He was my recruiter because, you know, I was mainly a defensive prospect coming out of high school. We ran a triple option, so, you know, there wasn't much love for the receivers in the triple option. So, yeah, mainly uh, a defensive prospect. So, I had uh, the safety coach, Galen Scott.
1: That was my main recruiter. How quickly – Did you get on campus that they changed that up? They put you on offense?
0: Oh, so at the time we like, I mean, we obviously had a conversation as a a defensive prospect and I ended up committing to Wake Forest as a receiver. And that was kind of like the first, you know, big, you know, change in that position. Like they were were the first power five school, you know, say, hey, like we want you to play receiver. So at that point, you know, I kind of bought into that and I felt like that was, you know, the best spot for me. So when I reached back out to Tech, as I decommitted from Wake. I'm like, look, like I know y'all, y'all reached out for me for uh, for defensive back, but like I want to play receiver, and I know I can play receiver there. And they were, they were with it. They got me on board, and you know, but like within months, you know, I'm I'm at Tech. You walked on a Tech. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I can get into. It. I mean, they knew from from the get go. I mean, obviously they they pursued me out of high school. They they knew I wasn't. You know the the average walk on, I would say, and there's no disrespect to any any walk out there. You know, it's it's a very tough job that you know they do. And you know, I, I owe a lot of my success to you know being in that position where, like, man, like everything's not not going to be handed to you on that silver platter. You know, you got to go get it. And but yeah, I mean, I went through a, a, my first season here with uh, home and Wiggins, and after that season, you
1: know, I was put on scholarship. Been on scholarship since. Left the scholarship at Wake Forest to come walk on to Tech. That means Dave Clawson. No sir, we got our we got our guy. He said he'd rather get it out the mud to come play for you. I appreciate it. How much did you yeah, learn man. from Holman? Uh, so I was only with him,
0: I guess, for for one uh, spring and one season. And I mean, in the general terms, you know, that doesn't seem like a lot, but man, like. Stuff he says, stuff he say, his phrases still still carry on. Those is one that you can ask any receiver back in the 2018, 2019 era when he was there. You can't uh you can't go without your luggage. Cause it was the a thing with people catching the ball, you know, they turn their eyes the last second to get going, get running with it. He's like, You can't run without your luggage, you can't go without your luggage. And that that phrase right there, you know, is just a uh, cement stone and that receiver room, but now Homer Wiggins, you know, he was a great coach and, you know, I'm, I'm, obviously I'm still proud of him. You know, what he's doing to Alabama, and, you know, producing number one, the first round draft picks every year, but now he was a, he was a good coach, great guy. And he definitely, he would push you. You, you wouldn't always like him, but I mean, as a coach, you know, that's kind of what you want.
1: I mean, that's facts. Like, I think, um, in all aspects of life, like, just because like you're not always gonna like your parents, but you're gonna love and respect them because you know that exactly they're being hard on you, but at the same time it's cause they it's coming from a place of, of caring. So yeah, man. Holman Wiggins, shout out to you, bro. You a legend. Um forever grateful. Sorry you had to deal with bum ass corn, but um then I guess you get Jafar. Jafar comes in, right? Yeah. And how I guess how different was his philosophy or was he even allowed to have a philosophy due to the rigidness of the way Fuente and Korn wanted to run the offense? I mean, it was almost
0: night and day from uh, Wiggins to Jafar, you know, just about the way, like, we went about our business as receivers. I mean, it was definitely more laid back. And then, like, he also opened up to us, you know, say, like, you know, input on plays, but (laughs) – whenever it came down to that final product, you know, on game week, having this play put in there, you know, I would say that I, I don't put the blame 100% on him. You know, he didn't have, I guess, any, any say in the offense as, as the receiver coach, you know. We could tell him stuff. He was like, yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying, but, you know, whatever, whatever the uh, corn calls, we got to run it. So, I mean, it was kind of uh, one of those deals where I just feel like he didn't – he wasn't a fool guy originally – like, uh, Wiggins was and didn't have that connection. So, I mean, he didn't have any kind of say in the offense.
1: So, that first first little bit, you know, you um, you kind of broke out early. And then it kind of was just like, nah, I think we'd just rather have this man block or something because it was like we ain't really see you much after that because of – I just weren't the I don't know, it was the most dysfunctional offense I guess I had ever seen. <laughs> um, I guess speak on the whole like what was it like day to day in that that system with like how much interaction did you have with corn, how much interaction did you have with foo? I mean, speaking with corn, I mean I guess you could base my
0: interaction as, as close as you can get to zero interaction, as as possible you know seeing somebody every day but I mean other than that there was no no personal interactions you know <laughs> it got to a point where I had to you know kind of call them out halfway during the middle of the season this uh this previous season where I'm like, like like I'm one of the guys I'm I have like if you're not 10 minutes early to a meeting you're late and like my eyes like that's kind of how and that's something that you know I got all the receivers going with uh you know, heading into this season but so I'm always sitting in the meeting, maybe a little ten, five, ten minutes early before the meeting, and you know, coaches are rolling through, saying hi to some players, and I just noticed that, like, man, like he never, like, we lock eyes, and he'll never say anything to me, like, man, even a good morning, hey, how you doing, how your body feeling, anything. So I, I reached out to him, was like, look, like, I feel like we need to talk about that. And he said, yeah, just come to my office. I'm like, man, like, don't get me wrong. I've been here three and a half, four years at that point. I'm like, all right, cool. Like, we'll go to the office. And I'm like, wait, I don't know where his office is in the facility. In the facility, Like, I know, like, the general area, but I don't know which office is his. So I'm like, hey, like, <laughs> where's your office? He told me his office. So we get there, you know, I told him, like, it's pretty much, I mean, I felt disrespected, you know, I sacrificed my, you know, my body every day going out here and maybe popping four ibuprofen before practice because I'm a little banged up. But I know like just that, you know, being a walk on like, that mindset, like you can't afford to miss a practice. So I'm like, all right, like for a guy to do all that and you can't even acknowledge him when you see him and when sometimes you may be the only two people in the room, you can't even acknowledge him. So I talked to him about that and he tried to assure me that was nothing like that. He may have something else going on, but I'm like, I wasn't really hearing that. But, after that, it was like, man, like I struck a nerve there cause he was not not rocking with me after that even more. So I mean, at the end of the day, you know i, I wouldn't I wouldn't change what I did because at some point you gotta you gotta go out on that ledge and you know stand up and speak on you know what you believe in. And if you tolerate disrespect, you know that's all you're gonna get. So and I spoke up on it, and obviously, the season progressed how it progressed, and, you know, They went on about their ways, and, you know, I'm finally in a position where, you know, I'm getting what I deserve, getting what I want, and just overall happy in the
1: program. Yeah, plus, I mean, if you were hurt, uh, the rumor always was that, and what I've heard from several people, is that Foo and them, like, automatically, like, wouldn't believe you. They just thought, like, you weren't trying to practice. Like, they, I can't remember who it was. It was a former player tweeted that, he had like a torn Achilles or or something, and they had him out there like three weeks later trying to do ladder drills and stuff, and he's like super hurt, and they're like, "We don't believe you." Yeah,
0: yeah, Jay Webb, man, it's crazy. No, shout out Jay Webb though, man. That dude was from the day he stepped foot on campus, man. He was just liked by everybody. Everybody respected him. He's just one of those guys that like you think about when three years, two years after he's been gone, you're like, man, like. I Remember this time the locker room Jay Webb said this, like it's just he's just one of those guys, but yeah, I mean it's, and that was really case by case, you know some some people obviously had more freedom when it came to, hey, this is bothering me let me let me pull back today, and some guys, you know, it's like, hey, if you're not out there, I don't care if you your hamstring hanging on by by thread, and if you're not out there, your, your spot's gone. <sighs>
1: Who were the OGs in the receiving room when you got there? Man, so when I got there, um some of the old heads, uh you
0: had Kuma, you had uh D Hayes, um who else we had? We had Sean Savoy, my first year, uh Phil Patterson, those you know, like were the I guess we'll say the oldest in the
1: group, then shout out Kuma man. <laughs> I love that dude. Man, um, Kuma's a clown, man. Yeah. Kuma, I, I like to call Kuma a friend. That's the homie. He's doing his thing. Um, Yeah, man, Damon Hazleton was the first one where we were like, something's going on here because that man balled out and then was like, I'm out. Like, you don't have that good of a season and then bounce. So that's when we kind of had a feeling that there was something like on the – something was running amok down there in Blacksburg like shit wasn't clicking yeah. like it was just it was weird that somebody would just bounce like that um so yeah you through your time you've seen a lot of turnover like because I think and I think food lost this whole 2020 recruiting class I think they're all gone but I can't man, remember there was maybe
0: a time I think during the winter it's like me Allen Tisdale Eli Adams maybe like and I think, like, Dax, we rules is like, reflecting back on, our, like, our freshman year. Like, man, like, we're the only ones left. Like, we came in with all these guys, and, you know, throughout the last three and a half years, man, like, we're, we're the only ones still here. It's crazy to think about that it feels like it was just yesterday. But I think, yeah, we sat down and really just, like, name names. Like, man, like, all these guys
1: are gone. Man, that really is nuts. And, for, you know, from what? You told me, like, you didn't even know where dude's office was. I mean, it doesn't surprise me. Plus, I also heard a rumor, you know, that um, if you were trying to get that work in after 5 o'clock, good luck, because the them <laughs> facilities were locked down.
0: I mean, it's not a rumor. It's 100% true. I mean, the part about, you know, being great, you know, is putting in the extra work in. You know, when you have something a setup where you know once the coaches are gone, the facility's locked. You can't you can't get in. You can't cold tub, hot tub, go throw with the quarterbacks, build chemistry, like any kind of extra work was just gone. Like once some coaches are gone,
1: sorry, right, you're not you're not getting any extra work today. Fuente was getting paid millions to be home by dinner. That is insane to me. Yeah. And corn was always at the damn pool at the country club. But uh Colorados, man. We hear a lot about these. Jordan Williams was telling us about these Colorados, but he wasn't, he didn't quite go into detail about what they were with Beach Body by Hillgart. Could you kind of tell the people what exactly a Colorado is? I'm going
0: I'm to rewind this back to, you know, January 2018. My first ever workout as a Virginia Tech football player, you know. I'm, I've been on campus for probably three, four days at that point. You know, I'm getting settled in. I'm excited, you know, ready to go. First workout, we're out in the indoor like 6 a.m. I'm like, all right, cool. Like, like what are we about to do? I got a nice little – I finally got some Virginia Tech gear on. I'm like, all right, bet, let's go out and do this. And I just go out in the indoor. And when I say I've never seen so many different cones, bags lined up, I'm like, all right, so, like, this is new. Let's see what this is. Man, Colorado is pretty much a tool to see how quick and how fast they can make an athlete regret being an athlete. There was was no football aspect to it other than, you know, just seeing how far you can be pushed. And I, I get that part. But, like, at some point, you got to look. I mean, my freshman class, those, those mid-years that were in with me, none of us made it past probably, like, a 6-7 drill workout. None of us made it past rep, uh, the drill four. I mean, we had guys hooked up to IVs, doing front flips, getting up, diving on a mat, jumping around, running around, just to, like, see how, how quick they could break you down without ever building you up after it. And, I mean – don't get me wrong, the hunger drills it was hard. <laughs> hunger drills were hard. But, like, it had a football aspect to it and a competitive aspect to it where, like, you're not really thinking about, like, oh, man, like, I'm about to just do a front flip right here and get dizzy and throw up. Like, I'm about to pull this tire and take this tire from this guy and, you know, win the drill for the offense. And I feel like <laughs> if you're going to do a drill like that where it's designed to be the hardest workout you do throughout the year, it's got to have something that relates to what we're trying to do. And, I mean, I guess the Colorados did that because, you know, (laughs) they wanted us to flip and flop on our backs and, you know, die out in the field. And, you know, that's what happened throughout
1: the seasons. But, yeah. Man, they had y'all out here training for the WWE, man. Uh, I'm telling you. (laughs) What would you say the biggest difference in philosophy is between – Galt and Hillgart.
0: I think it's it's just more individual based now. Like, obviously, you know, we're getting all these guys from all these different locations and different body types and like, yeah, it may be extra work for them as strength coaches and the strength staff to like dive in on each player to see what they need to be the best player they can be other than just, you know, here's the curriculum for the day go do it if it works for you it works for you if it doesn't so what and like I feel like that you know it's just I see players that you know I've been here since with four years with or three years with and like I haven't seen any gain I haven't touched any weights and like at this point they like, you know they're they're moving more weights than they have in their whole life
1: yeah I mean you see on social media and stuff you see him Him jumping around with y'all, celebrating, getting fired up about games, like hopping on people's backs, like he just looks like he's one of the one of the guys, you know. Like it's refreshing to see. Like I don't know how he, I don't, yeah, I don't know how Deej ever
0: gets a second of sleep when he's not, you know, around for like. I don't know how he found his peace if he's not in the weight room. I mean, that dude is insane. I'm gonna show a little story from uh, back in the winter, like. When are they, it was our first time meeting them, and they didn't you know give us a nice little process to get used to them, you know they were the, they were them from day one. Man, we're we we're, uh, going to uh, Max Power Clean that day. Man, I had this weight, you know, it's you know it would be a PR when I if I hit it when I hit it. I'm getting there, you know. I'm sitting at DJ's in my face, whistle always hanging out his mouth. He's in my face, he's like, "You better move this, move this weight." Blah blah. Then I'm like, All right, yeah, better, I got it." And then he just headbutted me, and I'm like, like I'm trying to sit there. And, I'm trying to sit there and process it. I'm like, th- this grown man just headbutted me. Like, I don't know if I want to like do the workout or like like see what's up with him. I'm like, all right, like no, I right, forget that. Like, man, he just head me. I'm amped, boom, crushed the weight, slammed the bar. You know, he's, as you know, he's giving me like the biggest hug. No, no disrespect to my fiance, the biggest hug that I've gotten in my whole life. And I'm like, man, like, somebody that cares that much. And it wasn't for just me. Like, any person doing that rep, he's right there with them. And, that I mean, like, doing that, like, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I'm sure other players can attest to that. Like, you're always going to do it a little bit extra. Like, there's always that guy that can get a little bit extra out of you if he shows that he really does care about you. And, I mean, that's what he does for every last one of us. And, I mean, obviously, like, I mean the team will speak on that and yeah you know, I will
1: see that coming this fall like we're in the best shape of our lives I mean that's really gonna matter you know because there's gonna be some dogfights you know what I'm saying so oh, for sure when you're not hands on knees in the in the fourth quarter and the other team is that's the difference between a win and a loss a lot of times Now it's funny you
0: brought that up because that's actually something that you know he talks to he's like the reason we're doing this when you're already tired maybe having to do something extra, like some kind of cognitive ability when you're already tired, who, who walked to you asked ask you a question? He's like, I want to know that in the fourth quarter when the other team's tired and, and you deserve to be tired from the way you, you guys played,
1: like I want to know that you're still locked in. Man, I respect it. You know, it was smaller scale, but I guess my senior year, we started out with like 50-some kids at the beginning of camp, and by the time – The season rolled around. We had 30 kids on the sideline, like, total. It was just that intense. It was, like, three conditioning sessions, a practice, and it was two-a-days, and it was just kind of, like, my strength coach I had been with since, like, eighth grade, So, and he was very, like, he was a hard-ass. Like, he was very much, like, a high school version of Mike Gentry at Virginia Tech, Luther Gentry, Hockey Hall of Famer, but we always wanted to finish strong for him. Like we never wanted to quit on the last rep because it was like this man goes hard for me. I'm gonna go hard for him because I'm no pussy. You know what I'm saying? Like you yeah, just wanted to you wanted to do it for yourself, much less do it for him. So and do it for everybody else.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, I guess I mean when it comes to weightlifting, like don't get me wrong, some days it's gonna suck. I mean, when it when it sucks, is that's how you know you're getting you're getting good out of it. But I mean, like we had max squat day maybe last Friday, man. I don't know if the guy was you know part of a tech or whatever, but we had a DJ in the weight room, bumping music, getting us ready to go squat, and like it's just stuff like small stuff that like, I mean personally I wouldn't have thought about it, but I'm telling you, you ask anybody that got it under that bar and with the with the uh, squat max, and, and that helped. And it's just like the small like he knows it's hard for us, and he he acknowledges it. He doesn't act like it's it's not there. He knows it's hard. And just going out of his way to make it a little more enjoyable
1: for us is just, I mean, it goes a long way with the team. Yeah, actually, we all saw on Twitter, they put out the ad. That they were looking for a student DJ for the football team. And we were all just kind of like, yo, Coach Pride gets it, bro. Like, he understands. Like, kids want – to be like they want to listen to future they want to listen to they want to do all that you know what i'm saying it's no silent lunches no no silent meals none of that like camaraderie and ass kicking to a soundtrack is what we want you know so that's lit man they they had y'all they had y'all hype how many people would you say from the beginning from january when you first got introduced to these coaches until now have a lot of people seen seen big gains that they weren't seeing before
0: oh 100 i mean you know speaking of myself you know I, oh so all right backtracking again here sorry but uh Hillgard had this thing called hard hat it was kind of an award you would get after an off-season workout program i don't know if you guys ever seen like the hard hat pictures yeah we hated it okay first of all i'm, I'm holding it like I'll get into later about bookmarks, but I got this one bookmarked in my head. Hilliard has said that no player he has ever coached that did not win a hard hat or receive a hard hat made it to the next level. I never got a freaking hard hat, and it, it wasn't it wasn't based off of you know the work I put in or my numbers on my 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 lifts. You know, honestly, I can't explain it, but I never received a hard hat, and uh, it was pretty much like a almost a popularity contest kind of like within the, the strength staff to, that they gave hard outs for, hard hats for. And, like, you look at even the guys that, you know, are at the top of that hard hat list, they're hitting numbers they've never hit before in their third and fourth year here. So, like, I mean, at some point, like, man, like you want to have a little, a little hard hat to say you did a good job, a little participation trophy, or, like, you want to really just go in there and work it and let the
1: numbers talk for themselves. And that's kind of what we're doing now. The reason we hated it was because I never want to hear, hear the word "grit" again in my life. Like, it was the last year and a half fake, bro. it was, the so, man, it fake, bro. It was like <laughs> yeah. the offense is a finesse offense. Y'all are home by dinner. You're out of the building. You're not putting in the work with the, the with the with the with your with your players. You know what I'm saying? Like, shut up. Like, stop. Man. Like, stop insulting us. Like, we understand.
0: Grit, grit was grit was a joke. Grit was a joke among the team for the last about year and a half. Like, we see a guy like, just walking around wearing a Virginia book bag. And, oh, yeah, man, he's got grit. He's got grit today for sure. He's the most greatest player today. Like,
1: it was a complete joke by, you know, the last season. Man, it seems like y'all have way more grit now, you know, than than you did. Um, So, it's safe to say this past six, seven months has been – the hardest that you've worked or been worked since you stepped foot on campus? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, like I'm, I'm looking back at my time.
0: You know, obviously I'm at the, the ladder of my career. I'm like, man, like imagine coming in as a freshman now, like even, you know, showing going through spring practice and, you know, being able to perform during the spring. game. like, man, like imagine three years of this leading up to this point. Like, I mean, it's a lot of what ifs in the world, but I mean, obviously, whatever the circumstances were in the past couple of years, you know, I'm—I don't know that I'm still. I made the most of it, and I'm and I'm better for it. But like, man, just—it's. I don't think it'd be fair to me not to sit back one day and just think, like, man, like, what if I had that for the last
1: three years? I'm always pro player, and I'm always uh like, go get your money, uh, go to the league, do your thing. I support it. There are several guys that left that I kind of wish would have had Pry and Galt and like, like a year at least underneath them because I feel like it would have made such a difference. But I know that, you know, people, like, I've been here, for, like I got my degree. Like, I've been playing football. Like, I just want to see what's going to happen. I get that. You know what I'm saying? I feel like food ruined – like, food took – like, remember the Titans? Football is zero fun, sir. Like, I felt like you yeah. took it out. Took it out of the
0: no, hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, it was definitely a, a lot of long nights, long days, long nights, and long seasons. Where like, man, like, this isn't what I dreamed of as a kid. You know, especially me being a Virginia kid, this isn't what I dreamed playing for Virginia Tech would be like. And there's a lot of guys that you know, like, I mean, I'm gonna speak on James Mitchell because that's my boy. That's he'll be in my wedding. You know, that's he's he's a day one guy. Like. James is, like, probably the most well-liked player that could ever, you know, step foot in the locker room throughout my career here. And, like, he got to a point where, like, he's never going to, you know, whatever, whatever's in front of him, he's going to do it, whether he thinks it's the best approach or not. And they got to the point where, like, even he, like, I'm knocking on wood here and all that, but, like, he shouldn't have been – that play shouldn't have happened where he got injured on. It was no need for that play, and he knows that. And he said he he told me that before. Like, we're on the goal line. You're gonna give a sweep to your tight end, okay? Like, I mean, you got you got backs in the backfield that can run that in. You have receivers on the outside. You can throw a goal line fade to whatever. Like, there was no need for that play, and you know, like when I remember when he uh found out that it was torn. You know, like, we're sitting in the training room crying together. It was just like man, like all that work he put in all this year. And he, at that point, I mean, he may have not known for 100% sure, but, I mean, he knew that like, that was his last game in that Virginia Tech uniform. And, you know, that hurts for somebody that's also a Virginia kid that's just dreamed about that moment. And, you know, it, I'm just, I am mean, it felt bad for him that, that the coaching staff took that that final season away from him pretty much. But it's just like, I mean, you got all these kids that, you know, they came here for a reason, you know. All the old greats, hokey legends, you know, they laid the path that all these kids in Virginia and around Virginia wanted to come here and play. And it's just I feel like the last staff is like, "Nah, we're gonna we're gonna erase that memory and do what we can do here. Leave, click, uh, cast our check, and then we're out."
1: Yeah, it was definitely apparent that that was happening because. All the alumni that mattered got shut out. Like even Michael Vick. Like what like what are you doing? It's Michael Vick. But it's crazy. So the bowl game this year, it seemed like corn like sandbagged that thing. Cause the the play calling was worse than normal. And that's that's hard to do. Am I right on that, or, or I mean, was it something else? I don't know if
0: he was sandbagging intentionally, but I mean, the final result was that. I mean, even going into the last two weeks of regular season, you know, once point they got canned, like the coaches are, you know, not as not as driven. I mean, they're looking for a job at that at that point. I mean, and I understand that, but I mean, it was, it was tough. Like you expect your players to go out here, and you know, obviously we had guys opt out that, you know, had had NFL stock. And I'm never going to fault one of my players, one of my teammates, for doing that because I understand with the position that they're being put in. Would you – I mean, like, Matt, the Matt Corral injury, like, in the, in the bowl game, like, man, like, I would hate to see any of those guys that opted out play in that game with a coaching staff or play for a coaching staff that, honestly, was looking on past that game for their next step and not really, you know – taking that game as seriously as it should be i mean i came to virginia tech when we were on like a 20 20 something bowl streak I'm like, man i'm about to go win some bowls get some rings all this but i haven't won a bowl since i've been here you know we've been to the military the boat bowl and now the uh pinstripe bowl. i haven't won a bowl since i've been here i'm like man like that's not it's not a small small thing and there's other schools you know my my pops played at richmond my cousin played at richmond they didn't have bowl games man they were they would fight tooth and nail to be able to play in a bowl game. And to, and to not take that seriously is just, you know, a discredit to all the work
1: all the players put in, you know, the whole season and the offseason. Nah, bro, that's facts, man. But it seems like, uh, you know, all that that stink from the last half starting to leave, even with that helmet stripe, like back to that solid maroon. Although the Thing stripe on the white helmet is fresh. Um, I do like that one. But uh so, you know, food's gone, staff's dismantled, nobody knows what's gonna happen. Describe to us what happened when you found out that Brent Pride was the new coach at Virginia Tech. I mean, it it was a rough, you know, after that bowl game
0: ended, like, you know, we're we're checking our phone every time it vibrates, we're like, Man, like, all right, what's going on? We got a new coach, we got something like so as players, you know, like the guys that, you know, decided to, you know, stick it out. Like, all right, like we're gonna trust that with Balka brings in the guy that's, you know, the right guy for the job and get it right this time and all that. So we're sitting there, you know, every day we're here and we're, we're in out the facilities and you know, we get a text one day and it's like, all right, like we got a meeting at uh three o'clock this afternoon and like all right, I mean, I'm checking my my teamers calendar, like we didn't we weren't supposed to have this meeting. All right, something's up. It's either some a somebody got in trouble. B we got a coach. All right, so no one knows anything. I'm hitting up my guys. Like, y'all know anything? No one knows anything. And then a uh, good friend, uh, another Louisa product, Brandon Smith. Uh, he was a linebacker at Penn State. Uh, he's with the Carolina Panthers now under Brent Pride. He texted us and like, hey, like uh, he texted me, say, hey, um, Coach pride just you know had a team meeting, had a meeting with uh, us as a linebacker unit. I was like, hey, like, he's accepted this job to be the Virginia Tech head coach. He was like, I mean, y'all are getting a good one. From right then and there, like, somebody that's been in the position room, there's a difference between a head coach and a position coach. Like, you build a deeper connection. So having his, you know, his blessing with pride coming to us, I'm like, all right, like, we'll be in good shape here going in. And then, yeah, that meeting pretty much told us, like, yeah, pride's our guy. You know, we're he's moving he's uh, moving up on the process. He's gonna start bringing in his staff, and like, I mean, the team at that point, you know, accepted him. And I remember Praiz first day coming in, man, laid back dude. He came in smiling, laughing with us, and you know, he just pretty much said, like, I don't know, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I'm speaking on what I got from his his uh his uh, speeches to us, man. And He low-key throwing shade on the old staff every chance he gets, and that, as he should. I mean, he was a Virginia Tech guy. He started his coaching career, you know, working as a grad assistant with Tech. But like, anytime anything's not going right, like man, if y'all want to do this? You know, fine. You can be a six and six, six and seven team. Every time we're like, man, like shots are being fired. He's like, you don't want to go to a bowl game and get embarrassed like that again. So, I mean, probably, probably don't play any games when it comes to that. Like he's a he's a winner at heart and he will do everything he can do to win. And you know, as a player, you know, you don't want that. I mean, you don't want anything other than that as a as
1: a head coach. I mean, you could really tell in his introductory press conference and every press conference he has that this man's taking shots. It's like he hates the old staff and the position they put. Tech in as a brand, and it's just kind of did he ever? I mean, his first you know interview on TV was Tech getting defense getting smoked by Maryland, and like Maryland made a meme out of it. And has he ever? Man, I'm not even gonna it? laugh. I I laughed at that when I saw it.
0: I'm not gonna lie.
1: Oh, I mean, we all did. Like,
0: He's like, we're gonna be a dynamic offense, you know, destructive defense, and then boom, like a 60 yard bomb, and like you could see him pause. During it, it, kinda was alive, but he had to keep going. But I mean, yeah, I'm not gonna lie, I laughed during that too. But I mean, from what he said, you know, he he's he's keeping his word on that. Obviously, he has no correlation to what was on going on in the field at that time. But no, that 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 was a, a funny Twitter moment there. Does he ever bring it up? No, I have not heard him bring it up since I'm sure he once had to die and he's waiting for you know game one so he can show what he was really talking about.
1: Yeah, I didn't know if you ever like was like this shit's never gonna happen again, <laughs> like and, and, and like <laughs> when y'all are like working out or whatever. I didn't
0: know. No, I'm I'm sure it came up in a staff meeting here and there.
1: Well, so what's been you know the kind of one of the last shoes to to drop, you know, was the offensive staff. So you know, you find out Fontel is coming in. He's got a really good reputation. And then Tyler Bowens, like, what was your first interactions with them like? I mean, just starting like thinking
0: about the whole process, man. I was getting a little bit frustrated. I'm like, man, like I'm seeing all the like the defense is just loaded, like filling out so quick and so fast. And I was like, man, like, all right, I need I need to see OC, I need to see wide receiver coach, and I'm I'm locked in for real. Like that's what I was waiting to see. And it's it felt like it took forever. And then, you know, obviously once you found out, you know, like now I remember Tebow's first first time, you know, addressing the offense as a unit. You know, he stepped up there. <laughs> it was a little inside joke. I mean, Corn would start every offensive meeting. All right, man, and then just completely like just talk out of his back end the rest of that meeting. And like it was the all right, man. Every time he would start, but Tebow's like, look, I'm gonna start this off by saying there is enough talent in this room to reach our goals. And he, and even to this day, like, every offensive unit meeting he has, like, he'll, he'll call somebody like, what did I say day one? There's enough talent in this room to reach our goals. And like that's just something, like, you never had as – or I never had as a player, you know, coming from a coach, especially an offensive coordinator, like, knowing that they believe that there is enough talent in this room and not simply just saying that, like, really believing there's enough talent. Like, I was just play. like, all right, better, like – we got enough talent, let's do it, like, we're gonna, we're gonna follow you, whatever, you say we got enough talent, you give us the plays, we're gonna go out there and run it. Yeah, now, Tebow, Tebow was, uh, definitely has that, uh. I guess he uh, he had to shake that Jacksonville, Jacksonville attire pretty quick as soon as he got up here, man, it's a little little bit of a temperature change, but no, I mean, he has that, that professional, he treats us as, like, we're, you know, pro athletes, you know, we're still in college, of course, but, you know, he gives us freedom. He understands everything that we have going on outside of football. And it's just like, I mean, it's, it's night and day from the old staff. And uh, talking on minds, you know, Mines is a, as a Richmond kid, a homegrown Richmond legend, you know, he, that relates to me. You know, that's, that's right down the road. I played a lot of Richmond schools. I think maybe, I don't know if I played Hermitage where he actually went to high school. But, you know, he, he's a player's coach. He played the position. He's coached a position, he knows the position he knows what it feels like to be in that position at at our age. and like he was just you know very you know upfront and stress communication. and I mean, don't be me wrong. I mean those guys that have been weeded out of the program that you know didn't fit the the new the new staff and what we're what we're working towards. but I mean, this is night and day, you know I'm I th- my exit meeting after spring we have always have exit meetings with our position coach and head coach man they had i already got homework i'm in the grad program man we had a three four page packet that we had to fill out for those meetings you know discussing our goals and like that's a small thing that a lot of athletes i guess don't really i mean they, they lose track of it during during the course of it you know what we're doing every day like having your goals and being able to write out what your goals are is so important i mean because if you're going to get up at 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, and go out here and you know, do this incredibly hard workout, like, you got to know what you're working towards and why you're doing it. So we did all of that, and uh, I met with pride. We discussed all my goals and discussed where I was at. And at the end of the uh, thing, he, he looked at me like, are you happy here? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm happy here. I'm happy you're here. He's like, good, and give me a hug. Like, man, like, having a coach ask you if you're happy here It's just like they care about you, and it's – man, that's just – I feel like we were just, you know, underprivileged these last few
1: years here. Man, I'm glad he's asking questions like that, man. Being happy is important, and it seems like when he – that's the way he is with everybody, even the recruits. Like, he wants people to be happy coming to Blacksburg. Virginia Tech playing football for him and the people that he selected to be on staff. So that's really great to hear, man. I guess you got fall camp coming up, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, no, I'm a, I'm obviously
0: excited because you know fall camp means season, but man, camp is a camp is a grind that. I don't know if anybody that hasn't been through it can really speak on it, but camp is a
1: grind. And you got ACC uh, media week coming up, right? Yeah, man. uh, I'm leaving for that uh, Wednesday. You're going to ask them about that key departures mess up. Hey, I
0: I hope they give me an opportunity. I mean, my goal is to go in there, you know, Smile, look good from the cameras and, you know, answer the questions that, you know, the best that I can. But definitely if that comes up,
1: you know, I, I hope I get to throw a jab in there, too. You got some, you got some, you got a fit you're trying to get off. You got some threads. What's up? Man, I'm in a, my first suit ever that I've owned.
0: I'm proud to say that. I got my first suit. I'm about to be wearing up. I'm still working on, you know, time the tie right. but That's okay. I got my first suit, you know, courtesy of uh, Virginia Tech and our, and then um, Suit City out in Roanoke sponsor me nil all that, but yeah, no, like we got a we got a nice suit. All the guys meet uh, Dax and Siles went uh, suit stopping you know. We got fitted, you know, the whole nine, and you know, it's how often do you get that chance as a as a college student athlete, you know, to put on a suit? And I don't want to drop any spoilers, but man, we're, I think. <laughs> Pride mentioned that we're trying to have this, you know how Clemson did it and all, they wear suits to their games. And I always thought, like, man, that was fresh. Like, they get to wear suits. I mean, obviously, Clemson was a little dripped out with the designer, but being able to dress up like him, it's it's a big thing that we're doing. Like, instead of just wearing, you know, a bare minimum Nike sweatsuit, no matter what the temperature is, you know, we get to wear something nice. And, you know, a lot of our families are there. You know, I mean, obviously, I'm would. i mean, I'm not saying I'm cocky, but, I, you know, my, my parents did a good job making me, you know what I'm saying? I, I spent my time in there getting my looks right. So, no, I'm definitely going to look good for the AC media.
1: Man, that's good to hear, man. Probably got y'all fitted. You're going to go down there and press, you know, look good, feel good, play good, all that. I'm excited for, for the new season, man. I'm hyped for what what the possibilities are. Endless, like I said. I mean, everybody says it's gonna be a rebuild
0: year, man. We're not hearing that. It, it, there's nothing to rebuild, man. The talent has been at Virginia Tech. We've had talent. I mean, I look at last year all the time, like man, like we easily could have been a ten win team, you know, playing for the ACC championship if certain plays here and there, you know, fell our way or we had better play calling, man. Like we could have been a ten win team, ten win team, and you know, really competing for the ACC championship. I'm not gonna say I'm glad that it worked out the way it worked out because you know we got prize the guy man like heading the team and I know we're gonna just even do better things now for it, but no the town has been at Virginia Tech. I want I want
1: the, all the fan base to know that the town has been here and it's still here. Hell yeah, that's what I like to hear, man. You got any um any specific? Games you got a circle on the calendar or is it all of them? Uh West Virginia off oh, rip. I mean, I don't know. I, I personally, you know, I love
0: I love that game besides how it ended. You know, it was the atmosphere you dream of as playing as, you know, as a college athlete. being in a Way Stadium, you know, fans, you know, <laughs> it it was the atmosphere. It's the coolest thing I think you can get to Virginia Tech game atmosphere that's not Virginia Tech. Just have their fans, you know, bleed their team and will do everything they can for their team and want the team to, uh, to win. So, West Virginia is definitely uh, it's up there. Plus, we got to get that trophy back. I want to take that team picture with the Black Diamond trophy. That, that's, that's number one. Uh, UVA, you know, I'm not going to discredit any of my opponents, but not, not necessarily, you know, yeah, when that week comes, that week is always that week. You know, we know we got that, that week every year. Someone us ODU. Definitely gotta get that one back. That that one, you know, there's some there's some uh some payment to be you know received from that one. You know, we gotta we gotta go get that one back for sure. So that one's obviously, you know, important to us, important to me. But other than that, you know, I mean, there's all of me, every game is, you know, I'm gonna be, you know, on cloud nine, you know, excited for it. But yeah, West Virginia ODU, uh UNC, man. I don't know why I just don't like UNC. That one's always always uh mark that calendar down kind of a uh, game.
1: Oh yeah, other than that, and that's pretty much it. Man, I can't wait. So normally we do this segment every week called Beef of the Week,
0: but we oh, don't man. typically
1: do it when players come on. But you just happen to have one by the name of Ricky Diaz back in like December. He said Salem Smith can transfer, to, And then you went off in the spring game. You have arrived. You let the people know what you could do. And then you had to fire back at them on Twitter. You talk about it, man. Man, if there's a transfer portal
0: for fan bases, I feel like he, Dickie Riaz should be the first name in there. But no, nah, like, no disrespect to anybody. I mean, fans are fans. Players are players. Coaches are coaches. At the end of the day. But, I mean, yeah, I – I saw that tweet. Actually, uh, I, I, I think probably my mom's brought that tweet to my attention because, you know, she. I mean, she's a Twitter warrior now. You say something about her about her baby boy, she's going to come get you, and she's going to let you know about it. So shout out to moms there. But, no, as I saw that tweet, I'm like, man, like, okay. Like, I've seen – obviously, man, I'm, I had a tweet that was saved and used as my screensaver for a solid year. It said – I think it was after the Wake Forest game maybe 2020. I mean, the only time I played Wake Forest in my career here. Man, somebody dude said something about Caleb Brickhands Smith. So, like, all right, like, I don't play about my name because at the end of the day, you know, that's me. That's my, that's my brand. That's my name, everything. So, you're going to say my name. You better say Caleb Smith. And if you're, if you're feeling bold, you better say Caleb Aaron Smith. Getting that out there now. Like, don't, don't start changing letters here and there. So, you know, your take doesn't get seen because you know I'm not. I mean, look, if you're gonna go out there and say your opinion, fine, go do it. But like, you better know I'm gonna see it. And I'm not trying to say like any fans, you know, can get under my skin. But I, I, I live off motivation, and you know, motivation breeds success and and competition. So yeah, I had that uh, that tweet bookmark, you know, telling me to transfer. You know, I'm a kid that <laughs> I walked on here, man. My parents paid out of pocket. I slept on a couch for a year to come and play at my dream school. And I, I did everything I did, you know, everything. I mean, people, I, I don't know. I don't know if you have a feeling or thought about this, but like, how hard do you think it is to start for an ATC Power Five team? I mean, <laughs> it's, not, it's not easy. You have to have some kind of talent in production to be able to be on that field like nobody's put out on that field for no reason so yeah I mean, I'm still on that field I'm not getting the opportunities, you know to be the productive receiver that I know that I could be and I've shown I can be so yeah I mean just to tell a kid like that you know that's done everything by the book giving his all to Virginia Tech that he can transfer I mean yeah trust me I could transfer I had plenty of old quarterbacks from Virginia Tech that you know, reach out to me that wanted me to be their guy at their new school. So, yeah, I I'll, trust me, I always know I could transfer. But that's not – I mean, I signed up and I committed to Virginia Tech and it wasn't just words, you know. I, I believed in, you know, what Virginia Tech history is and what their football program does on the field. And, you know, that's what I wanted to be. So, to tell a kid like that he can transfer. And then finally, when I had a chance to show that, so what I could do on a, you know, on a, you know, big stage, I had to clap back. I had to, I had to make somebody eat their words, you know, because he's not the only one, you know, Dicky's not the only one, but
1: yeah, I just had to take that opportunity. I couldn't let that opportunity pass. We got to get that tweet on a shirt and put it on your body. Like have you wear it at like pregame or something, man. Hey, pregame, first game, ODU.
0: I can get that shirt and then I don't get in too much trouble for wearing during pregames. And, man, I'll promise you I'll go out there and rock. And then, you know, after that 10 touchdowns, I want another T-shirt so I can hand him flowers. And I want that picture all over social media, tagged,
1: retweeted, all that. I'll give that man some daisies for that Ricky Diaz funeral. Man, he might get some weeds and some pebbles and some mulch.
0: <laughs> but he's going to get whatever I can give him, but we yeah, lit.
1: Sure. Well, man, I appreciate you coming on, man, for real. You're the first active player that we've had on I'm the pod. I may be the first, but I promise you all will not be the
0: last, man. Everybody, make sure y'all tune in. I'm going to do my work as a teammate, try to get some other guys on it. But, you know, this is definitely a platform where, you know, athletes can speak their mind. And that's something where we don't have a, of, have a lot of freedom and opportunity
1: to do so. So I know some other guys would definitely want to do this. Man, open door policy for any Virginia Tech athlete that want to hop on the mic. That's a fact. Any of them. Well, man, yeah, like I said, man, we really do appreciate it. We appreciate the support and the time that you took because I know that D1 athletes do not have that much time. So the fact that you spent it with me, salute, man. Appreciate that. Man, it it was an honor, man. It was an honor for sure. All right, man, go hokey! Yes, sir. Are you getting ready for hunting this fall? Probably out there scouting the deer, putting your mineral blocks out. We'll get ready for your new tree stand too. Check out barren Ridge tree stands, made in America, right out of Verona, Virginia. It's under four pounds, one of the most lightweight climbers out there, and one of the highest quality for saddle hunters. Check them out. Go to their website. We'll put a link in the bio and do the right thing and get ready for the fall.